Well, good evening, everyone. It is great to be here tonight, and welcome to the Homeschool Lofts graduate panel discussion. We are so glad that you are here this evening, uh, on this spring evening. It is spring out there in Wisconsin, um, and uh, we hope that you enjoy hearing from our panelists this evening. Um, and we have some uh, questions that I'll ask tonight, but we also uh, will ask you to ask, or, or I'll request that you ask some questions as well. My name is Josh Bernhardt, and I'm also a homeschool graduate as well. I graduated in 2011, and uh, I was homeschooled all the way through with, um, I had four siblings, and so I was again, uh, homeschooled my entire childhood. In fact, our tech guy back there, Drew Kerstetter, was also homeschooled as well. So at some point, uh, we may chime in if we feel led or our panelists can't handle the tough questions. We may chime in uh, and, and bail them out. Before we get started, I just want to remind you that this event is sponsored by the Homeschool Loft, our local homeschool parent resource. The Loft has a physical space on George Street in De Pere, and its owners, Jenny Tetzner and Jean-Tina Hollenbeck, are in the back uh, there, and uh, they endeavor to serve all current and prospective homeschooling parents in the area by providing one-on-one -on -one consultations, book clubs, and discussion groups, events like this, and a podcast. In fact, if all goes as planned this evening with technology, our discussion will be featured on a podcast in a few weeks, so stay tuned for that. I also want to mention a few upcoming uh, Loft events, uh, just to pique your curiosity. The Loft one-year anniversary open house is coming up on May 12th, and then there's the Loft Schoolhouse Rocked Family Movie Night that is on Monday, May 16th. There's a college Q&A on Thursday, June 30th, and uh, middle of summer, a college library or excuse me, a using the library to support your homeschooling endeavor seminar. Seminar is Tuesday, July 26th. So some notes on some upcoming events uh, through the summer. You can find out more about each of those events, as well as other services the Loft offers, and links to each podcast episode at the Loft's website. That is uh, uh, homeschoolloft.com. Now, without further ado, let's get to tonight's main event. In terms of how we're going to proceed this evening, uh, I have questions for the panelists prepared here, as mentioned, and we'll get the ball rolling and uh, we'll fill in any gaps. But we, again, I encourage you to please um, go ahead and uh, don't be shy. Ask some questions. Um, uh, Tina and Jenny, they have the microphone back there. And so just raise your hand and uh, they, will, they will get the microphone over to you so you can be heard um, your question can be heard. So let's start by briefly introducing our panelists and um, uh, let them just tell us a little bit about who they are. We'll go right down the line here. Uh, we've got Nathan Agin, Matthew Key, Noah Tetzner, Elizabeth Kerstetter, uh, Rachel Chastain, and Natasha Atkinson. Um, and so let's just start with you, Nate, since you're closest to me. Uh, to start a little bit by asking, I guess, tell us a little bit about yourself. What year were you, what years were you homeschooled? Were you homeschooled with siblings? Um, uh, etc. Um, and then what you're doing now uh, these days. Sure. Thanks, Josh. So I, a uh, brief introduction. I'm a, a Christian. I am a husband to Beth. Uh, we've been married for uh, 17 years. I am a father to Keziah, who's 22, daughter, and I am a registered nurse. And currently I'm working, I have over 20 years of nursing experience and working in uh, home health and hospice, but currently I'm working as a supervisor. 
Uh, as far as my homeschool experience, the years, boy, you're challenging me, Josh. I might have to go way back. <laughs> no. um, uh, it was in the 80s, and I graduated in uh, 90, the spring of 93. Yeah, spring of 93. So, um, and then as far as the calendar year, uh, we, um, we, we did a regular school calendar as far as homeschooling. And then I did have, we do have three siblings. So it's myself and three others, my two brothers, Josh and Matt, and my sister, the youngest, uh, Jerusha. And the reason my parents chose to homeschool is I, I sort of was the impetus for this. I was, uh, loved to learn. And my mom tells a story that she loved watching me get all excited, ready to go to school, get on the school bus, head into school. But I come home very dejected because I didn't learn. So, and that was really the main driver. Thanks, Nate. We'll uh, let Matthew answer the same type of question. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks, Josh. So my name is Matthew Key. And I, uh, let's see here, where do I start? I'm going to try to be succinct here. Um, I'll just start with my current job and work backwards. So I work for the Greater Green Bay Chamber, and I've been there for about three years, sort of in a role where I work with uh, technology startups and help them connect the capital and connections and customers in the local area around the state. Um, Homeschool-wise, I was homeschooled my entire life. I actually grew up in the Chicagoland area, so not originally from the area. I met my wife, who is actually Josh's older sister, uh, Elizabeth, who's also homeschooled. Uh, we got married at a, oh, excuse me, we, got, we met at a school south of Chicago called Olivet Nazarene University. Um, and she was actually homeschooled as well. I was actually telling Noah, there was three things that I, uh, amazing things about my wife. I, she was not my wife at the time, obviously, when we were in college. But uh, the first thing was, we were both homeschooled our entire lives, which is very rare. The second thing, we were, came from a foreign to faith backgrounds. The third thing is we both had the same birthday, same day, same year. So it was like, uh, when my boyfriend, when her boyfriend at the time heard that, he was uh, kind of threatened. And I like to say that I, that I stole her away, but I, I really didn't. It was uh, kind of like a anyway, mutual thing that they decided. And there I would, she was available, and there we go. So like, the rest is history. Um, um, and then we've also got, uh, I also did grad school, so we can speak to that at a later time. And then I also took a gap year after college, which, uh, or see, before, after high school, I only bring that up to say if uh, there's any pieces that anyone wants to chat with me about that afterwards, happy to do that because I know those are things that um, sometimes parents are trying to work through um, and think about. Um, and then I got two kids, a three and a half year old son and then 11 month year old son named Isaac and Josiah. So that's me. All right, Noah, on to you. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm Noah Tetzner, uh, Jenny's son, and I graduated from high school as a homeschooler back in 2019. Uh, I was homeschooled all the way up starting with first grade, took a brief kind of like two year break where I attended a, a Christian classical private school here in town, Providence Academy, and then finished out uh, as a homeschooler when I graduated high school. Um, so I graduated in 2019. I am a B2B marketing consultant specializing in serving tech companies. I primarily do PR and podcasting. Uh, I also do a little writing. I've been fortunate enough to you know, write for publications like the History Channel and um, some other magazines in that kind of historical sphere. So that's kind of a little bit about me and what I do. Um, but yeah, thanks, Josh. Hey, you're welcome, Noah. <laughs> All right, Elizabeth. Elizabeth Kirschmetter. Keisha, you are. Oh, <laughs> and she's, yeah. She's married to the tech guy. What are, what are you gonna say, Elizabeth? All right. I'm Elizabeth, is this one working? I can't hear it. 
Okay. Um, I'm Elizabeth Kerstetter and I graduated in 2019 as well. I was homeschooled for my entire schooling from like kindergarten to senior year. Um, I went to NWTC for graphic design and I now run my own graphic design company from home, specializing in small business branding, logo design, web design, stuff like that. Um, and I also have a part-time job in sales and I'm married to Drew, another homeschool graduate. Hello, my name is Rachel Chastain. I am a homeschool graduate in 2004. I was like frantically trying to figure out what year did I finish high school as they were talking, but I'm pretty sure it was 2004. Um, I was homeschooled for the majority of my schooling. I attended a public school for a brief time in elementary school and then was homeschooled through the rest of my career through high school. Um, post high school, I studied nursing, got my bachelor's in nursing, worked for several years in various specialties, and ultimately went back to school to get my master's and nurse practitioning degree. And I'm a family nurse practitioner. I currently work in um, immunology, asthma and allergy part-time. And then I'm home with my own kids who are starting to homeschool. And they are seven and four and three months old. And, um, I, some of the other questions that were talked about were, um, you know, when did you start homeschooling that kind of a thing? I think looking back, you know, having started in public school, we wondered what we would do with our son, but we've really enjoyed homeschooling him. And I think kind of that second generation has really been special. So maybe we can talk more about that as we go through the evening. My name is Natasha Atkinson and a little bit about me and my homeschooling experience. I started homeschooling uh, late elementary school and then was homeschooled um, through the end of high school. And so I did attend public school uh, early on and then moved into a private school. I was an only child, but I do always say that my mom ran a family child care. So I had eight siblings all the time. And so, but I was an only child and uh, my my parents decided to move me from private school into homeschooling because, uh, well, I asked my mom that question and she said, you know, private school didn't seem much different to her than, than the public schooling experience that we had had. And so I had spent the remainder of my years homeschooling all the way through high school. And so I am now, I am a stay-at-home mom uh, who homeschools my six children and uh, we didn't start there, but I do homeschool my six children now. And I run a nonprofit in the community. And my family has uh, recent, in the recent years been focusing on uh, moving more towards uh, life studying and life schooling and just kind of learning how to be more self-reliant. And so my children have been learning a lot of school that way. So I know it's a little different than everyone else's um, amazing places that they are now, but um, that is my experience and what we're doing currently. Well, thanks so much for uh, those, those answers. It's, it's evident that we have a number of different eras here. Um, and Nate's laughing. I'm not calling you old, Nate. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> it's the 80s is old, bro. Yes. We have a number just kidding. Just kidding. I was born then. 88. Okay. Uh, um, 
We have a number of different eras. So I guess specifically uh, for Nathan and Natasha, your families were near the the forefront of the homeschooling movement, uh, we we would say. Um, As Wisconsin, um, homeschooling wasn't officially recognized according to the homeschool loft that I have the notes in front of me, Uh, (laughs) 1984. Um, So do you have any sense of being pioneers with with homeschooling? And and, and if so, what did that feel like as a kid? Because it wasn't as popular or widespread spread as it is now what did that what was that like so I never thought of this actually until Tina had mentioned it in, in a, few, a few months back and I was like you know I kind of was at the beginning of this this whole idea uh, for me I knew that I was doing something unusual and that was probably more abnormal at the time uh, but honestly my family was that way anyways <laughs> so uh, it. It just felt like, you know, this is what we do, uh, the the thing that no one else does. Uh, But, you know, to think about it and to think what I thought and felt at that time is I didn't really have any issues uh, being homeschooled. Uh, I was a social butterfly, and so I kind of paved my own way uh, in that anyways. And uh, but, you know, in the beginning, you those families just kind of learned as you went. And so now there's just so much out there. But I do remember very specifically knowing that we were doing something that really wasn't very popular. So yeah, Nate, anything to add? Yeah, so I did get the date. It's 1986. That's when we started homeschooling. So we can clarify that. So yeah, okay. Um, And and I I would say absolutely I did. I remember the conversation uh, at the dinner table. We had a family meeting and we discussed, you know, I was getting ready for school. Mom and dad said, well, we're thinking about doing this where you would be doing school at home. I said, what? What are you talking about? At home? And so understand uh, I am a very, very much an extrovert. And so this concept of being by myself at home was very weird. And I was so afraid that I would lose my friends. And so I very much felt um, like this was an experiment. But my parents promised me, and so this is an encouragement to all of you who might be listening to this or who are here today. You know, when you're thinking about doing something new or different, it can be challenging with your kids, especially for the extroverts. And, 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 but my parents were great at, at couching that with, we're going to try it. Let's just see how it goes. If you don't like it, we can go back to the way things were. So that was very helpful. But yeah, so one of the biggest things that I sensed was different was I would watch the school bus go by my house and I could not go outside until the neighbors were dropped off. Then once the neighbor kids were dropped off, then I was allowed to go outside, uh, even though I might have already been done with my work because we were afraid that any moment the superintendent was going to be banging down our door and demanding to see records. So interesting. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Well, Matthew and Rachel, you were in the next uh, generation of homeschoolers. Um, what are some ways in which your experiences were similar or different <laughs> Uh, than that of uh, Natasha and and Nathan. I think one interesting thing about my experience is that I kind of was in a time frame that was pre-internet to internet, and I would almost use the term post-internet, 
being that now we all have the internet with us um, most of the time via our phones. But I think back to the Egan family. When I first started homeschooling, I remember that if we were going to do an event, you would, you know, write it down, put it in the mail, mail it to the Egan's house. The Egan's ran a newsletter that they would put together and mail back to your house. And so it was a big deal. Like the mail came, let's see what homeschool events are happening this month. Right. And like looking and finding. And then that was right at the beginning of my homeschool career. And as we started homeschooling, you know, GBOC developed more and some of the things like Nucha and the sporting events and being able to, you know, post an event to happen that day or that week and see a calendar and, and easily coordinate and share ideas and being even able to look at different curriculums readily. So I think that experience has been very unique. And there's obviously positives to that. There's a lot of resources available. There's a lot of insight that you can get from other people. But the negative side of that would potentially be that suddenly you have all of these external influences to compare yourself against or to feel as though, you know, there's so many different things that are being pushed at you that you should reach for. You hear the worst case scenarios and the best case scenarios. And so perhaps there was something wonderful about your own bubble. And so navigating kind of that, that transition and finding the positives in it while still maintaining the independence that was really what brought homeschooling to be the forefront in the beginning was that family unit. So I would just highlight that experience as we're looking at timeframes. And um, I, I don't know, Matt, if you experienced that or you're a little bit younger. Yeah, sir, I, I would certainly agree that over time, homeschooling has changed. It, the core has been the same, but I would say the mediums have changed um, kind of to what you say, kind of pre internet uh, so, um, for the better in many ways. Um, I wouldn't add much more than what you would say. I think you, you said it well. Well, to follow that up, Matthew, you were homeschooled in, uh, as you mentioned, in Illinois, different state, different area. Um, what was the legal social climate there growing up for homeschoolers? What support did you have? I mean, here, GBOC and things like uh, things like this um, have been around, um, not, not the homeschool often in particular, but GBOC has been around for, for a number of years. What was the what was the support you had there, the, the, the homeschool climate, if you will? Yeah. So, you know, I think about this question is it relates to compared to the Green Bay community. And I think the Green Bay community is done a phenomenal job with Nucha resources like the homeschool loft. And I sort of compare my experience with what resources are now in place in Nucha and, and, and all of that GBAC and so on. Um, because the green, I mean, without, it goes without saying for those of who've visited or lived in the Chicagoland area, it's a sprawling metropolis of all these different communities and cities that sometimes I'm still discovering, Oh my gosh, where is that? Oh my gosh, it's Chicagoland, like 30 minutes away from where I lived. It's just crazy how many people live there. And so, there was a lack of true, I would say a true lack of community um, within the homeschool groups there. And I think that I would say that the biggest community that we had was really the community at our church. Like we sort of had a unifying sort of, so if GBOC is for the greater Green Bay area, you know, there was a GBOC equivalent, but it was seriously like kind of a tri-county type situation where it's like there was no sense of community. So um, I would honestly say, I mean, I, I mean, growing up, in the in Chicagoland area, and I see my wife's experience, and um, I think most of us, most of you, yeah, everyone, I think it was in the Radio Oregon Bay area. Um, and I'm just like, wow, this is such a great opportunity, great community to raise um, a a family, but also homeschool um, our kids, and which we, my wife and I, plan to do. Now, Elizabeth and Noah, not leaving you out of this either. You were, you're, we'll, we'll say, the young ones. 
you're most the most recent graduates. Um, what are some of the ways that that your experiences were the same or different than than those who uh, have already shared? Fifty-fifty chance there. <laughs> I would say like I didn't even know that it was weird. I guess because like there was such when I was in school, there was such a thriving homeschool community that ninety-five percent of the kids that I interacted with were also homeschoolers. Um, almost every extracurricular activity I did was something through GBOC. Um, I mean, obviously I did do some things, but not really until high school did I have a lot of friends that weren't homeschooled. So it was kind of like just what we did and it was normal to me. Um, definitely in high school, like people would say like, oh, you're homeschooled, but you're normal. Um, so like it became a little bit weirder. And, but then like now when I say, oh yeah, when people ask me like, oh, where did you go to high school? And I say, oh, I was homeschooled. Um, it's really interesting since like post pandemic, nobody ever asked me, like nobody says it's weird. They're just like, oh, okay. And that's kind of it. And I don't know if that's because I'm older and I also went to college now, or if that's because of so many people were homeschooled during the pandemic. Um, but yeah, I would say like, homeschooling was very much not, didn't feel weird at all. It just felt totally normal. There were so many things to participate in that I was not really like in a bubble, but also kind of in a bubble. Mm -hmm. Sure. Noah, anything to add to that? Yeah. Yeah. I had a similar experience to Elizabeth in that when I was homeschooled, you know, like this whole, so when I was homeschooled, it was definitely like a mature climate, certainly here in Green Bay. There were plenty of co-ops, uh, plenty of socialization going on. I mean, we were plugged into so many different homeschool communities, and it seemed like at most of the major churches here in town, certainly the churches we were a part of, there was like this large community of homeschoolers within each church. So there was plenty to do from co-ops to, I mean, j just like different classes that you could take, like taught by like local like authorities on the various, you know, subject matter. There was a lot to do. Um, it, I definitely didn't feel as though I was like an outsider because, you know, probably growing up through like grade school, middle school, and even into high school, 50% of all of my friends were fellow homeschoolers. Um, it wasn't until I like actually graduated high school that I began to have a large portion of non-homeschooled friends, you know? Um, so, and a lot of that was just from like work relationships, right? Um, you know, definitely though, I will say, you know, there was kind of that, that vibe of, you know, like walking through the grocery store, maybe once a year, we'd get somebody who would ask, well, shouldn't you kids be in school, you know? So, and I think there'll always be that, um, you know, that kind of like undertone of, um, you know, I mean, whatever the statistic is, however many, you know, 2 million, whatever it is, homeschoolers in the United States there are, we will always be probably a minority um, of the population, but COVID changed everything. So now when people, you know, ask me about my education and I tell them I was homeschooled, like there's never a follow-up question. It was just always like, oh, okay. Yeah. I know somebody who's homeschooled. So. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Uh, I'll just remind everyone, feel free to ask questions. Uh, Tina is in the back. She is just dying to give the microphone to someone. So, um, She'll just call on someone. If not, no, not really. But it's a reminder at any time, uh, just raise your hand. I'll, I'll give many more opportunities as the evening goes on. But if in the meantime, we'll just, we'll keep going on here. Um, so 
with all of uh, what you, you all described, I'm sure you can remember the first question many of you were asked when you uh, said that you were homeschooled. And uh, it was, well, what about socialization? Um, so how were you socialized, assuming that you were? Um, and you're here, so I don't think Tina would have asked you if you weren't. Um, so you're here. You're here. In what sorts of activities um, and such did you all participate? And, uh, and that probably is a different maybe perspective based on location, based on time frame. Uh, whoever wants to jump in and just a few of you answer that question. What kinds of things did you do to stay socialized? <laughs> okay, I'll go. No, it's jumping Playing in. with your dog is not a good answer. <laughs> right. Uh, so obviously being an extrovert, that was the biggest question I had is, what am I going to do for socialization? Boy, was I surprised. Between 4-H activities, between... The two homeschool groups, because we had the privilege of living in between Appleton and Green Bay, um, both had very active uh, groups. So it was such a blessing. So lots of field trips. Um, and then I played a musical instrument. So I was able to be involved in the Green Bay Youth Symphony Orchestra. So plenty of opportunities. Probably the one of most I enjoyed. Or I, one of the things I enjoyed the most was the Appleton homeschool group had a family that wanted to teach us Robert's rules of order. So they actually created a, a, a mock, um, uh, well, I'm drawing a blank now, uh, in school with the, where you have the president, vice president, the, yeah, thank you, student council. So they did a mock student council and we had uh, 60 teens. And so we would vote for the different positions. And I was elected president for three out of the four years of high school. And so it's just, Really neat. We did community service activities, plus the youth group we were involved with at church. So there's just, for me anyways, plenty of socialization. Sure, sure. Anybody else jump in on that? I'll share. So I'm a, I am was a social butterfly of, as, from young on. And I guess when I was told I was going to be homeschooled, uh, I was pulled in the middle of the year at Christmas break. You're not going back to school. We're going to homeschool you. And didn't have much rebuke for that, but I, I was such a social butterfly that the thought never crossed my mind. Like, what about friends and people? Cause I guess I just, like I said, paved that way for myself, but I felt like there was so much more social socializing opportunities as a homeschooler than there ever would be sitting in a school for eight hours a day, socializing with the same people eight hours a day, and as a, as a homeschooler, I was, my mom, she was home. My dad worked outside the home, but my mom was home running a family child care. So it's not like she could run me everywhere, right? But the beautiful thing about that is other homeschooling families could connect, you know, and one could uh, carpool, you know, families can carpool or, and they could take me places. Or I, I don't know how my mom did it, but she sent me everywhere. Uh, was... <laughs> I was every at uh, field trips and friends' houses, and I was friends with maybe a couple other homeschooling families as well that um, I spent a lot of time with growing up. But the uh, ability to do all of those things, I never would have had that opportunity. Even as a social butterfly, I would not have had those opportunities sitting in a, in a public school classroom. And so I feel like my opportunities were broad and often because homeschool families, you know, basically work together. And I had homeschool families 
that would take me to all kinds of things. So the socialization aspect sounds kind of scary now when I talk to parents who are coming into homeschooling now or, or think, you know, heavily about that. And it's like, one, your kids will work it out. And, and two, there is so much more opportunity out there. And I socialized with adults. You know, as, as a child, I socialized with adults. I socialized with peers. I socialized with teenagers. And I feel like that experience was far more beneficial to me than being only socialized with peers my age because I learned an incredible amount of life skills and uh, common sense and so many different things from being able to socialize with so many different ages um, through my homeschooling experience. So, mm -hmm. absolutely. Anybody else want to jump in on it? Yeah, you know, it's actually a, a learning, and and I was kind of I'm kind of putting this together in my mind as it as I'm thinking about it. So it might not come with crystal clear crystal clear here, but um, it, when I was thinking about my homeschool experience, I think from a socialization standpoint, um, there could have been it could have been better from a socialization standpoint. And I think about it, there's really two common factors that I think about my experience and why I wasn't as socialized, if we want to use that word, as I could have been. And one was the, the lack of community within the, the homeschool group itself, um, being that it's a large geographical area, lots of, it's just harder to make connections. But I think the other piece, which is also probably common denominator for all of us here, is just in my particular church that I grew up in, um, the, I was, there was only three other kids that were my age. And so even from a, a kind of quote unquote friend perspective, I remember like kind of going through high school, kind of being like, man, I don't really have really many homeschool friends uh, besides like one of the two, uh, one of the four individuals, one of the three individuals. And it wasn't until I got to college and it, quite frankly, I actually thought for a long time I was an introvert because I'm like, man, I'm just not the, just not, not clicking. But it really, I was really, it's just, I wasn't really had the, didn't have the opportunity. It wasn't until I got to college and freshman year, I was like, whoa. So I was like, whoa, this is a reset. All of a sudden, I've got all these friends that I want to have, you know, and it was kind of like a, whoa, okay. I'm kind of like almost discovering myself for the first time. So I just kind of think of it from a learnings perspective. I guess the takeaway that I have is like the, the context that um, the family, but also the kids are in is also is important. Think about kind of the socialization that um, they're having within the context, be it church, be it the homeschool group. Cause I know that that's one thing that we could have, um, my family could have done better that I don't think was not even on the radar screen. And I'm, like I said, I'm just kind of putting the pieces together right now. So just one takeaway. The only thing I would add to that just really briefly is if, if you as a homeschool parent feel that that statement is pushed at you as a criticism, um, you know, well, what about socialization? I, my encouragement to you would be to ask that person to define what does socialization mean? Because I feel like in our culture, nobody really wants to define anything. So to say to someone, you know, when, when you say that, what are you, what are you looking for? What are you thinking of? And if they're merely thinking that your first grader spends, you know, eight hours a day in the same room as 30 other first graders, like that's not the model that I'm looking to build. So in that case, you're right. My kid isn't socialized, but if you're defining it the way that I want to define it in helping them to develop a well-rounded personality and be confident in who they are and be able to share their faith and be able to enjoy various life situations and contribute to society and contribute to their church, then I think my path is great. So if they're just looking for minutes with peers, you're never going to be able to meet their standard, but that's okay. Okay. 
So maybe trying to define back to them, what is it that you think I should meet? And then if you realize we really have different goals here, you can feel very confident in the fact that if your goal is to help your child to develop who they are, especially as a person of faith or as a confident in themselves, you're doing that. It just isn't a matter of logging minutes with people who share the same grade level. So I would just put that out there kind of as a, a challenge back to them. Yeah. Uh, looks like we've got a question out here uh, from Jeff. Yeah. Um, it's really amazing to see all y'all up there and just how successful you are. You know, I think you're, you're uh, an example to people that uh, homeschoolers aren't failures. They're not weirdos, not going to be stuck in some back corner somewhere. You're actually, you know, really part of a real society, you know, which is pretty cool. So that's kind of allaying maybe the fears of an adult. You know, you have been socialized. You're successful. I'm just wondering when you were a kid, were there fears that you had? You know, like, uh, you know, when I was in high school, it was always about, you know, um, you know, my my girlfriend or my first, uh, you know, the learning how to drive the car or something like that. And even as younger kids, I'm learning, you know, my kids had weird fears about stuff that I didn't know about. I'm just wondering what kind of things that you were concerned about that maybe parents now can maybe be thinking about for their own kids. I don't know. We're really scared to talk up here. <laughs> I'll just jump in. Talking. There. I'll just jump in there, Josh. So, uh, yeah, that's a good, good question, Jeff. So I, I guess, you know, I, I can speak to it from the perspective of like somebody who was in high school as that is like most recently in my memory with regard to like my homeschooling journey. Um, you know, for me, I, I never really had those fears, Jeff, because, uh, you know, I, in terms of like socialization and relationships and even significant romantic relationships. Like we have a lot of people on this panel that met their spouse uh, through their homeschool community, you know, <laughs> which is really cool. Um, but in terms of me, you know, in terms of like, you know, learning to drive a car and a first job and a career, it just seemed like the world opened up to me because I was a homeschooler. I was able to, you know, try and do more. Um, you know, I was able to do apprenticeships and internships and, you know, work jobs during the day while I was in high school because I had the time to do it because I was a homeschooler. Um, and, you know, and I suppose when I was younger, I never really had those concerns because most of my friends were, you know, homeschooled. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of my two cents there. I'll just add something. I think one of the things that continually ran through my mind when I was homeschooled was this question, do I have or will I have what it takes? And uh, that's something that uh, I think we always ask and, and struggle with no matter what our age. But I think as a homeschooler, I think one of the things that um, that really made me ask that was because you're homeschooled, uh, and maybe again, this is my isolating experience that I, that I talked about a couple minutes ago. But you you don't you don't really have a sense for um, what an average is, if that makes sense. So you don't really have a sense of comparison. Like, geez, am I like a high? Am I like a you know A plus type student, or am I like a B or a C student? I don't really know because, like, quite frankly, I don't never sat in a thirty person classroom and have a sense for like where the grades grades are trending. Right. So you don't really have a sense for like 
man, do I have what it takes? Well, my mom really likes me, so she's giving me A's. I mean, like, I mean, but, but seriously, I mean, you know what I mean? And so it's like, well, you, you go to college, like, well, my, my professors are not my mom. So like, how, how's that going to work? Right. So like, you kind of have this, like, and I remember thinking about college and be like, man, do I have what it takes? Um, anyway, so that's, I, I think maybe the, the takeaway there for me, um, to encourage, um, uh, and maybe to even challenge some of you is just, just reminding their child, do I have, do the, I'm sorry, reminding your child, yes, you have what it takes. Uh, because I think that really, really goes a long way. Um, my parents did, didn't do that enough. Again, I don't think there are many things that were not on their radar screen, but I think just the isolation piece that homeschooling can naturally bring gives you a sense for, hmm, I don't really know if, uh, you know, I have what it takes. So anyway, I, I, I think I would have appreciated hearing that more when I was younger. So that's a, probably a fear that I had um, that, uh, that, that I, that I did do well in college. So I'm okay. I've passed that. Don't worry. Now we're good. Yeah. Um, I'd like to share a little bit of a different perspective because I was homeschooled more in the beginning of this whole idea and concept of homeschooling. And then at that time it was very curriculum based. You got a curriculum, you ordered your books, you did the books. And during that time, it wasn't, even that someone really sat down and taught you, it was just, you just do your books and you go through the worksheets and you go through the curriculum and then you move on to the next, the next curriculum, the next piece. Um, and one fear I had going through ho being homeschooled and going through that was I wasn't super strong academically. I had a few subjects that I loved and was strong in. And then I had some subjects like <clears throat> math that I miserably failed at continuously. Like this was never going to, I was never going to be a mathematician. I was never going to be, you know, all of those fancy math people. And so, but my fear was, will I fail academically? Because I was a creative. I wasn't strong in academics. I was strong in, in creativity and I am still today a creative and I use those skills uh, on the daily and everything that I do, I'm a, I'm a creative and that's how I thrive. But, and I will say that being a creative, there are tons of kids out there right now that are of creative mindset and maybe not so much of the academic mindset. And I was like, okay, I'll get through the academic part. I might fail miserably and at math and sort of pass. Um, but because I was homeschooled, the fact that I'm a creative, I had all ability to, use those skills from fifth grade on to high school. And, and I, I also was raised in a family. It also is, depends on your family dynamics as far as, you know, fears that you could um, have or go through. But I was raised in a family where something needed to be done. Well, you just don't lack the skill to do it. You just have to figure out how to do it and do it. Uh, I was, you know, raised by some very strong women and there was just nothing. We, you just do it. <laughs> and so, that having that also that that strong family um, concept, you know, I wouldn't have had that sitting in eight hours of school. I wouldn't have had that constant influence over my life from my family. I would have had eight hours of whatever peer disasters might be going on, um, in my opinion. <laughs> and so though uh, the 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 whole thought of things that homeschoolers might think about that was mine like well i feel this academically but you know as i got older i said i don't know if 
being super strong academically is what's going to make me successful. And I find that a lot of parents maybe who are coming into homeschooling don't necessarily consider that um, kids are all different types of learners and have all different types of skill sets. So how are we going to best support our kids' learning abilities and their gifts while they move into homeschooling? Hey, this is Drew chiming in from the back. Um, I just want to add one other thing to both what uh, Natasha and Matt were saying is one of the one of my biggest fears going through it, and I think one of the frustrations expressed by a lot of just students in general, but homeschoolers especially, is as we're learning things like I too is a very creative person. So learning like math and science, like some of the more advanced stuff and chemistry, like there's no practical application in my future where I'm going to be using this stuff, right? So I think one of the things that I would often get stressed or frustrated about is, are you really preparing me for what's coming? Or are you just teaching me useless information that's just, I don't even need to know how to use. And kind of what we would keep coming back to is my parents would always say, we're not teaching you stuff. Like we don't really care how well you know the stuff, but we're teaching you A, how to do things you don't like to do and B, how to learn. And I think those two things have come in way more useful than Algebra 2. Like the times that I've been able to come back to my skill of learning and like learning how to understand and grasp a concept and then use it and apply it, that has served me way better than chemistry ever did. Um, and that ability to just sit down and muscle through the tough stuff and be like, well, I really don't want to do this, but as a homeschooler, like it is up to you, right? When you're self-managing your time, you've got your mom to answer to, but that's a about it. And I mean, maybe some people's moms are a little scarier than mine, but um, it really did come down to like, if you're going to do this, it's because you sit down and do it. Right. Um, so learning those two skills through things like math and chemistry and some of the other things that I didn't necessarily enjoy, I think now looking back on it, even just a few years removed from high school, I graduated in 2017. Um, that has shown to be so valuable and really put a lot of those fears at ease of like, it's not about wasting your time or not being well prepared or anything of that nature. It's very much focused on how to learn, how to do things you don't like to do. Um, keeping the focus on that was really valuable to me. If I may, for me, it is the fear of missing out. I watch my peers go through the normal progression of learning, and especially looking ahead to college. And that was the biggest fear I had was, how am I going to do in college? So I echo a lot what the panelists have said. And so in, to combat that, my parents signed up for Hewitt Moore Foundation. And back then, they had uh, certified teachers that would grade your work. So every quarter, I was sending my stuff in for grading. It'd be a recording if I gave a speech or recording my violin uh, for music and then papers, you know, for credit for the different courses. And I did that then all four years of high school. And they did it for me because everything they were reading is the homeschool is supposed to be freeing and you get away from all this stuff. And, and then here's their son pushing them to say, no, 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 no. Like, I want that diploma when I'm done. 
because I wanted, I was afraid of not being accepted by at colleges. I would say the other thing that um, I had a fear of was in, in this idea of missing out was the athletics because I was very athletic growing up and we didn't have uh, Nucha. <laughs> Nucha didn't exist. A lot of the clubs didn't exist. So I would like to think that today we've progressed a lot farther beyond that. And so hopefully that's not the case. But my encouragement would be, you know, the, the third and Matt, you're probably going to get into this, but dealing with what do you do with the child that doesn't know what they want to be when they grow up? Because I watched my siblings who knew seemingly anyways to know right out of the gate what they wanted to do. I watched my peers seem to seemingly know what they wanted to do. But for a reason, the way I'm wired for me, I just I, I, I really didn't know. I thought I knew. Uh, but after a one year of experiment in college, I realized very quickly that I didn't. And so helping your child understand that that's okay, that you don't know, but then that's probably not the best time to go to college. But when I was growing up, that's just what you did, you know, when you, when you graduated high school. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Any other questions uh, from the audience at this point? All right, we'll keep going. Um, we talked a little bit about, uh, there was a reference a little bit um, about, you know, Matthew mentioned, you know, measuring up, et cetera. Um, a lot of that gets into what you're studying. Uh, Drew alluded to that a little bit. Let's talk about curriculum. Let's not talk about socialization. Let's talk about curriculum. Um, what sorts of learning resources did your parents choose to use for you? And were you involved in that decision? And, and I would assume, I'm um, interested to hear that that will likely be different for different uh, different timeframes, right? From people, I mean, Rachel alluded kind of pre-internet to, to online resources, et cetera. Um, what were some of the resources that you used, maybe specific curriculum, what worked, what didn't? And, um, and uh, were you involved in some of those decision decisions? Anybody jump in? I'll go first. So I was pre-internet and about the middle of my homeschooling journey, there was all of a sudden computers and the internet. And so I started doing book curriculum like most homeschool families do. And then one day arrived this computer homeschooling program. And uh, I was like, wow, this is pretty neat. Um, and I spent my days on that curriculum. My mom and I were trying so hard to figure out what that was called and we cannot remember. <laughs> But um, I spent my days doing that, um, playing a game and on AOL Instant Messenger. And, uh, and, then, <laughs> and then so I went through the, the computer program, um, you know, schooling. That did not work so well for me. I remember uh, struggling with that a bit. And then I ended up in, in a different, another different type of book curriculum and so I, I kind of went through a small gamut of curriculum, as I think every homeschooling family does. Uh, you start one place and then the next year you're like, oh, we're going to try this. And then I, I'd say even for me and my own kids, it took us about four years to to settle into some into something, which is OK. And uh, so I used a life pack, this these uh far above rubies. I was in that curriculum. I mean, these are, these are old guys. I'm dating myself. And, uh, so even through changing all the curriculums though, I still learned well. And for me, it was actually exciting to change. I liked that. And it 
piqued my academic interests. As I stated, I wasn't a huge academic uh, person to start with, so. Others, what curriculum did you all use? I'll just jump in. Um, goodness gracious, before high school, I, I, I know we did a Becca, I know we did this and that, I, we did a lot. I would say the most meaningful meaningful part of my homeschool journey was in high school. And um, there's a product called from Bob Jones University. Uh, they probably have it live streamed over the internet now, but um, basically you could participate in live classes. They literally had a teacher teaching live that you would bring in a satellite. Literally, we had like a massive satellite on our house. I'm like, can we get DirecTV? Nope. Oh, homeschool. Okay. The homeschool channel. Here we go. And so it was a little disappointing, but uh, actually, yeah, Liz, I told my wife about that. She's like, you did what? You got a, you got a satellite dish on your house? I'm like, it's like 2006. What are you talking about? Like, what do you, what do you expect? Anyway, it was kind of funny, but um, yeah, she, she's like, wow, complete, com amazing how the technology has changed. But the reason that was helpful was because it made me accountable to somebody else besides my mom. I think I was a bit, that's the biggest thing that I would say. I mean, there's different, you know, technology, different resources. There's many of them out there. I think one of the things that I've learned and think it's important is like, what's the resource that works best for the family, but also works best for call it the teaching style of the student. Um, and in my case, in high school, it was like, it was best for me to not be accountable to my mom to do physical science and math and X, Y, Z. Um, it was kind of like I did the main core subjects uh, through that, uh, through that satellite program. And so that's probably the, the biggest takeaway for me. And I can get you information on that, although it won't be on satellite dish anymore. Um, <laughs> sorry to disappoint you there, but, um, but, uh, that was helpful to be accountable to somebody else besides, um, my mom in this case. So it really helped me from a motivation standpoint and, um, helping me feel like I was on the right track. Going back to that question, like, do I have what it takes? It's like, okay, this is where I'm on the path now. Thank you. You know? So anyway, that was, that was what we went through. Um, yeah. So speaking of being accountable to someone besides your mom for my high school, we did a kind of a blend of some book-based curriculums. We did sunlight, we did apology of science. Um, but I also took classes at NWTC for dual credit. So I got college credit and I also, they also counted as high school classes and those, most of them were gen eds. And then they did apply to my degree that when I went to NWTC, if I would have chosen to go somewhere else, they most likely would have transferred to a different college as well. So that was a really good way to get rid of some college credits while still in high school. And they also counted for high school. So, uh, For me, uh, it was interesting. A year in, uh, my mom and dad approached us with starting a business. And the idea, the concept behind it was if we can teach our kids, you know, what running a business is like. So we did education, Birchcore Books. So many of the families that were early in the homeschooling would usually come to my parents or buy curriculum through us. We were basically a, a, a vendor for a, a wholesaler. And so we sold all different types of educational materials. So because that there was some a lot of experimenting that was going on in our house with the different with the different curriculum, but it was really a neat. And then I would say is as long as the answers were in the back, I was good. Amen to that. <laughs> Amen. You learn to find that pretty quick. Wait, wait the, they're where? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. The only thing I would add to that is just 
and the family joke in my house is that I don't remember anything, which is a little bit true. So it, it is it is not 100% accurate that I maybe am relaying this properly. But from what I recall, I think that um, my parents were very opportunistic in a good way. Like I remember specifically, I had a mission trip to Peru that I was signed up for. And so I was extremely motivated to want to speak Spanish as fluently as possible, as quickly as possible. And I remember that specific semester, I didn't do a whole lot beyond like the math, which you could never get away from. And then Spanish. And like, I would learn colors in Spanish and language in Spanish and listen to the CDs and, you know, practice. And like literally within one year, I was fairly conversational in Spanish. By no means was I fluent, but I was able to take that experience and go to this clinic and be productive and helpful and communicate my points and gather information. And so the fact that I was excited for that was a really great way to make that part of the curriculum that year. And then as that kind of came and went, then perhaps that wasn't so much the focus. So I wanted to highlight that. And then the other thing I wanted to just mention was if you're homeschooling children of multiple ages and you're thinking about curriculum, maybe to, to partial out what you can do collectively versus what you need to do individualistically. So like in my family, I am 15 years older than my youngest sister. And so I remember there were some things that like we did together, like history. You could read those stories or those books and perhaps someone that's older gathers more details and the younger children children don't versus something like math that's more, you know, skill specific. Um, so to kind of parcel those two different things out, what's a collective learning opportunity versus individualistic. And then also kind of to your point, just those life skills, you know, if you're baking something, well, there's math and you're reading the recipe and maybe now you actually know how to do something. Um, not to sound at all, um, I guess I would say insulting to anyone, but I'm I'm always surprised by some of the life skills that lack in the general community. And certainly I lack some myself. I, I don't mean that in an insulting fashion, but there's something to be said about knowing just how to do things like plant a garden or bake food or be able to organize the steps of a project that you want to do. And, and that's all valuable. And maybe it doesn't get the curriculum label, but it really should because those are the things that actually matter. Anybody else? Question. Yeah. Uh, how were your fathers involved in the homeschooling process? Because we hear about the moms, but what about the dads? Can I just, and along with that, I'll piggyback off that because this was not a question that was, was uh, um, I was given specifically. Um, along with that, uh, there maybe is a sense in the homeschool community um, that, you know, we've referenced, you know, mom a lot, right? And so that's great that Tina's asking that question. You know, mom was in the home, maybe dad was working outside the home. Can you talk, yeah, in your experience um, or maybe your current experience, is there room for someone that in the homeschool world that doesn't have that 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 uh, life situation right now, and and with that, along picking picking backing off what uh, Tina said, what was your dad's involvement um, in your homeschool uh, journey? Yeah, I'll uh, speak to that, Josh. So, you know, certainly my mom was a stay-at-home mom when I was homeschooled, and my dad worked, and his particular job allowed him to work from home. Uh, so there was definitely like that proximity there, but he would be traveling for most of the day. He's a real estate appraiser, so he would drive throughout the state of Wisconsin to various appointments. So certainly it's not like, you know, certainly I spent probably 80% of my days with my mom. Um, 
you know, that's just kind of how it was set up. And she would, you know, do our, our schoolwork, if you'd like to call it that, with us. But, you know, my dad was instrumental in my homeschool education. There were just certain things that he could speak to that, you know, my mom couldn't in that way. So especially I was as I was in high school, like, you know, my dad's the one who taught me like how to drive, which we did during the day during school hours. Like my dad's the one who taught me about managing money and personal finance. My dad was like our resident mathematician. So even if that meant like doing math with my sister and I, you know, after three o'clock uh, or whenever we got done, you know, he did that. So, uh, you know, with my particular experience, like mom was definitely there during the day. Um, and, you know, I guess during the day, dad was off to the side, but his role was as instrumental. It just looked a little bit different. So for me, I have to put my dad's in the audience. Isn't that great? I know this is awesome. Um, so no, uh, so like you guys, mom was home. She primarily did the homeschooling, but dad was very involved in our homeschooling world. Uh, while there was field trips that he often would go to, he too had the privilege of having a, a bit of a flexible schedule. So he would always take Wednesdays off and sometimes just Wednesdays after, afternoons, but it was always about uh, doing the physical activity. So we'd be wrestling in the yard. We'd be throwing the football. We'd be bouncing the basketball, you name it. Poor daddy suffered through it, but we, we, we had a lot of, we had a lot of fun. And of course dad would do the, the shop class and all the, all the more physical stuff that mom wasn't necessarily interested in doing dad did. And so it was, it was great having both. I think the challenging question you asked was, is there room for like a, in a single parent situation? And I think the, the answer that would be is what kind of support system is there? Cause I do think it's very doable for a single parent to do it, but they definitely need support, whether it be grandparents, aunts, uncles, whatever, but yeah, definitely. I'll just briefly mention in my experience, uh, Growing up, I, I always knew that my parents were strategically on the same page with the plan. So like that would mean tactically they would go to, you know, the homeschool book fair, which goodness gracious, I'm sure that's the most exciting thing ever to do. I can't wait to do that as a, as a parent, but no, really. But like, it's like, I, seriously, I was like, thank God we're getting a babysitter at that time. Um, no, but uh, you're not taking me along, but anyway, I'm serious. Um, so, but like, you know, they were always doing that together. They were always doing the strategic pieces together as a family, as, sorry, as a couple. And I always saw that. I observed that. It wasn't like my dad just saying, okay, go, go, honey. Like they were always together. And then the tactically day to day was just like um, Noah's situation. The mom, my mom was um, heading it up. So I think there's really important, I think even to kids seeing that there's a unity around the plan, as it were, is, uh, is really critical. I, I think that as I'm reflecting now, um, because there was unity, I felt confident in the path ahead, if that makes sense. And it, it wasn't like a disjointedness, like, you know, they weren't disunit, united on, on that. So um, I would just, yeah, underscore the need for unity there. It's really important. If I could add just a little bit onto that, um, in my experience, one of the great things about homeschooling is that the education didn't stop with the academics, right? Homeschooling for us was very much about like all of life, you are learning all the time. So my dad wasn't 
super involved with our academic learning to the, I mean, to the extent that like he'd help out with math a little bit after work or um, he's a pilot. So he's all over the country all the time. But when he's around, um, he would always make a point to be present, even when he was working on things like doing the budget we were all allowed to be in his office while he's doing the budget. And he'd just kind of point out, here's what we do. Here's how we put this together. Um, just various things of that nature. Um, he would also lead our family Bible times in the mornings. This was very instrumental in that part of our education. Um, but I think kind of where that comes into play, I think, is he was still very instrumental in what we learned in just being present, always taking advantage of teachable moments, even if that didn't necessarily mean sitting down next to us with the science book open and kind of working through an academic concept. Thanks, Drew. Anybody else want to jump in on that question? And then, and then I know we have a question up here in the front. So jump on that last question. So as far as a father being involved in the homeschooling experience, my dad worked outside the home, but because I was in the atmosphere of our home, obviously my father's influence was just obviously interwoven. Uh, my dad was a teacher and a speaker at, at our church. And so I would watch my dad study for hours uh, to teach uh, at our church. And then I would listen to my dad teach and I, I would have that experience over and over again. Now, if I was in a public school system or in a school system, I probably would not have picked up as much as I did from my dad on some of these skills because I would have been very distracted and been in my own world of school. And because the public school system works very hard to kind of separate you from your home. And so for me, looking back over that experience and knowing that because I had, you know, his his masculine abilities and his fatherly influence and being able to watch his skill because I was immersed in it, that blessed my life that now I'm using some of those skills. Well, a lot of those skills and in my adult life. And I feel that definitely wouldn't have been the case if I was absorbing a school system. So. Um, we are homeschooling my son who's seven and my situation is a bit unique and ever evolving, but just to the point of fathers being involved. So at current, I work part-time. So like, for example, today I was at work for 10 hours eight and a half hours, depending on who's counting. And my husband homeschooled. So I stopped by in between there and here. And they showed me that they went to the wildlife sanctuary this morning and they saw the flying squirrels. And here's what they wrote about. And he, you know, my son showed me what school books daddy did with him and, and that they took care of the chickens. And, and so he is the active in the home parent two days a week. And then I'm the active in home parent two days a week. And my parents are kind enough to help cover that, um, that gap and also be involved in my children's education. And so even though that's somewhat atypical because it takes some coordination to kind of keep the ball rolling forward, I feel like it's really been a blessing to us as parents. And my husband often mentions he feels very grateful to have the opportunity 
opportunity to spend so much time with the kids. And I feel like it's what we've needed to do and been able to do to make this work. So he jokes sometimes that when he goes to homeschool things, like he's the token dad in the room and he sometimes feels a little bit out of place. But by the same token, I think he just embraces it for what it is and appreciates the fact that he has the same goal as those other parents. And then looking back toward my homeschooling experience, my dad was just great. Um, he's a teacher, so he had that natural ability toward education and learning. Was always kind of the stabilizing force as far as this is the goal, this is where we're moving. I give great credit to my mom day in and day out. She put in a lot of work, but my dad always was very involved. Um, I remember family Bible times in the evenings, a lot of music, and then filling the gaps subject wise and taking the opportunities when his job would allow, whether that was summers or weekends, to really keep learning at the forefront. So I think to Matt's point, being on the same page was really important. And I hope we can emulate that in my own family with my kids. Absolutely. Any other uh, questions out from the audience? I always want to give that opportunity. Um, hearing none, I'll ask another. Um, what immediate post-secondary education did you all uh, pursue or, uh, or perhaps not pursue and why? Maybe just, I'm curious just to go down the line with that one. So you maybe a, you gave a little bit of an intro earlier, but just curious why? Yeah, sure. So my uh, post high school started, I, I went to um, a liberal arts uh, Christian college right out of high school. And like I said, I wish that there probably had been a gap year program, although I don't know that I would have been ready for it anyways. But in, in that time, um, I, I didn't acclimate as well as I would have liked to. So I left the college to just kind of take time off and figure things out. I would not go back to college until seven years later. Um, and then I went to a couple of community colleges, uh, did really well at both of those, ended up graduating from a uh, university um, and then went on uh, about 10 years after that to earn my master's degree. So, yeah, that's my. Matt. Yeah. So uh, let's see, I graduated from high school in 2006 and um I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had ideas on what I wanted to do, but my parents encouraged me to take a, a gap year after high school, which I think is one of the, just a really great decision looking back. I know it's not for everybody, but in my case it was because I wanted to go into college with a, a pretty firm conviction on what I wanted to do. And so um, the I, at the same time, in making that decision, I was also promoted to be a manager at McDonald's, uh, where I was working in high school for a couple of years. And so it was a situation where I was like, hey, 40, year, you know, 40 hours a week experience, closing, opening the shifts and stuff like that. It's a pretty good um, kind of business experience. And through that, I decided that I wanted to study. I ended up studying international business um, in college. And so, um, yeah, I did that for four years. And then, um, like you as well, about three years after school, ended up transitioning back to school, went to business school, got an MBA, and then added a second master's degree in entrepreneurship um, in uh, graduated in 2016. So that's my uh, post-secondary path. Yeah, I followed a unique path in that I never ended up going to college, but I started my career in 2018 when I was 16 and still in high school. So a lot of the work that I do today uh, for various clients circles around podcasting and PR. And I started a podcast of my own while I was in high school back in 2018. 
and it ended up being super popular uh, and it opened so many doors for me and I gained so much expertise uh, about like the business world through that experience, through just like doing something for fun, uh, which was really cool. But I also developed so many like communication skills and interpersonal skills and like networking and negotiation and relationships and all of the things that public school or even private school truly cannot teach a person. Um, for me, that opportunity just kind of presented itself. I had started something while I was in high school as a hobby and it ended up being the thing that kickstarted my career. So that's why I didn't go to college. Uh, for me personally, you know, my dad had some very strong beliefs about finance. Uh, he taught, you know, Dave Ramsey classes at our church. Um, and, you know, that was really instilled in me. So uh, certainly no judgment to people who walk a different path. But for me, that like, you know, going at taking a student loan was out of the question uh, based off of like our family values. So that's kind of one of the key reasons why I didn't go to college. And also I had uh, a different opportunity. Um, yeah, so I went to NWTC for a two-year degree in graphic design, and um, I also started a business in high school. Um, I started an Etsy shop. I Well, actually, first I started an egg-selling business, like, middle school and sold eggs from my chickens. Um, but then I started an Etsy shop when I was also 16. Um, and so I did that for a couple of years. I knew it wasn't the end goal for me or what I wanted to do. And I wanted to learn more. I'm an artist. So I wanted to learn more about how to apply art in a business way. So I considered fashion design, interior design, or graphic design. And I ultimately decided to do graphic design literally only because NWTC has that program and they don't have an interior or fashion design program. <laughs> I got married right out of high school to Drew and and so I was going to be living in Green Bay where his job was. So it wasn't really like in the discussion to like go somewhere for college. And NWTC was a lot more affordable than UWGB. So that's kind of why I decided to go there. Um, so I went to college for graphic design, kind of randomly chose it and ended up loving it. And it's a great fit for me. So, um, yeah, now I'm running my own graphic design business. So. Can you repeat the question? Yeah. <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> Sorry. See, we talked about bad memory. Memory. <laughs> Where are your keys? Is, Just is kidding, it about, I'm not okay, Just so after, education. after high school, I was very stressed and anxious about what should I do? I remember feeling a lot of um, angst about like, well, what if I want to be a stay-at-home mom and raise a family? Like, I don't want to have a lot of college debt, but I also really enjoy like the sciences and I really liked creative pursuits as well, specifically music and, and feeling just a ton of stress about like, where am I going to go to school? Am I going to go to school? What am I going to study? And so I kind of felt like for me, nursing was like a great catch-all. It's a very flexible job. You can work full-time or part-time or not at all. And um, so I studied nursing at a school near Chicago right after school, got my bachelor's, worked for a lot of years in different areas, psychiatry, psychology, um, 
I joke about like working night shift on Halloween night when it was 13 hours because of the time change. And like, it's, it's a great story about all of the things that happened. Um, and then I decided to leave that area and <laughs> no coincidence, I'm sure. And went to pediatrics and kind of found out what I liked. And then I went back for my master's largely online. Also went to some different areas of the country to do my clinical hours that I had to um, do in order to get um, certified in prescribing. So it was kind of a long long path, but it allowed me to find out what I liked, what I was interested in. And then it has really been a great family career as far as I've been able to work part time. And when I've needed to work more, I can. And when I've needed to work less, I can. So I think homeschooling set me up well to be able to explore the different options. So I was I never had an immense amount of pressure from my family or my parents to go to college or to decide what you're going to do with, with your life and, and figure that out. And I was always, so in high school, I went to Preble for two credits. You know, homeschoolers can go to public school for two credits. I don't know why my parents exactly decided to do that, but uh, I was like, oh, this could be fun. I went for graphic arts and I went for German because I needed my foreign language. And, um, and I remember being at Preble and, and that was like, the thing. What are you going to do? You need to get into the classes that are going to move you forward to your possible career. And I just remember kind of sitting back in the lunchroom one day and being like, what is everyone? What's wrong with everybody? Because they're just all anxious. And like, I, it was crazy to me that that was happening to, to high school students. Uh, not that people don't have these um, careers that they know they want to go into, but again, creative mindset. And I was like, I love music and I love people and I love ministry. At the age of 15, I really started in heavy ministry in my church and, and using those skills and gifts and talents. And, and I was thought, OK, I'll, I bet I'll go into ministry and become a pastor. That did not happen. But I, I married young. And I had a, my first baby, who's she's 19 now, at the age of 21 years old. And I was like, I really love this mom thing. And I was set up for knowing how to do that because I had just grown up in a daycare with my mom's family child care with children around all the time. You know, and so I felt very comfortable taking that path. But as I got older, I was like, oh, there's things I would just love to do. Um, and I use skills just to merely help support income in my house. I was a photographer for an amount of time because I had that skill and I could use it to help support my family. Uh, I became a doula and a childbirth educator for a large part of my adult life. I loved pursuing that and doing that in, in my community. Uh, I currently run a nonprofit. And so I went into that skill and what that takes. And I'm very much a self learner. As most homeschoolers are, they generally take learning into their own hands and, and learn and then go to uh, those people that have the wisdom or education needed uh, to seek education. But I have done many things in my adult life and I love them all and I'm proud of them all. And I never went the college route simply because I was like, I can't see having this amount of debt and I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. I'm 40 years old. I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up, but I am so happy and blessed with my six children. And I love 
teaching them and watching all of them grow in their skills. And, and I have some entrepreneurs, I have some creatives, I have some very uh, logical uh, children. And I have been able to experience a gamut of things because, again, my homeschool life allowed me to, to do that. And so, no, I, I never went to college, but I, I did pursue some things after on my own. So, sure. yeah. You, Tell people what you did after high school and Drew as well. You bet. Since we've Absolutely. got you here. Yeah. Um, so as mentioned, I graduated high school in 2011. Right out of school, I went to the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. I was uh, commuted to school, so cut down on costs there, worked um, well throughout uh, throughout going to college. I was uh, pursued, um, I was communication and political science in school. Um, uh, out of college, uh, that was in 2015 I graduated. Um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do either or where I wanted to go. I had uh, my older three siblings, uh, one of which Rachel is actually my, my um, the eldest in our family. Um, they all went to a uh, private Christian school, um, which was uh, uh, pretty expensive, right? If you, especially if you didn't have um, scholarships. And so I said, well, I don't know what I want to do. So in the meantime, I'll go to UWGB. Well, in the meantime, it was four years later um, and, uh, and I graduated there. Um, I had a, uh, uh, I, was, I was dating my now wife at the time uh, who was here. Um, and so that was a little bit more of an incentive, incentive to stay around. She was going to NWTC as well. After 2015, um, my wife and I got married uh, that summer. And then um, in 2017, was 2017. I started my MBA um, and then finished that in 2020. Um, so that was just uh, part-time, although it was a little more part-time than I think they told, or it was a little more full-time than they told me it was going to be. But um, did that uh, online for a number of, of years and did, I finished that in 2020. So that's a little bit about uh, what I did. So in the meantime, could be <laughs> the long-term plan maybe, <laughs> right? <laughs> Drew? Yeah, in the meantime, being the long-term plan is Pretty personally relatable. So I graduated high school in 2017 and I was dead set. I'm going to be a rock musician. That's the plan. That's it. That's what's happening. I was accepted into a music school in Chicago and like everything was lined up. I was all set to go until like that April or May, just as I'm trying to scrape everything together and figure out, I kind of realized there is no way I'm going to be able to afford this. And if I take out a bunch of loans and then go into music, am I going to be able to pay those back? Like this just maybe doesn't seem like the best choice. So I'll take a year, just kind of figure some stuff out. I got a full-time job um, that next fall and I've been working there ever since. It's out at the airport. A um, couple of opportunities have come up along the way. The job's been a real blessing because it's got a very flexible schedule. I'm able to do a lot of other things. So in, in February of 2020, I was asked, uh, some people reached out to me and asked if I would consider running for state political office. And I said, sure, why not? Let's give it a try, right? See what happens. Um, so I did that while working full time that I committed in February, 2020 in March, 2020, the entire picture of what it was supposed to look like just radically changed. So that was a wild ride, but it kind of 
opened my eyes a little bit to other paths, other interests, and I got a lot more interested in business, economic development, um, social work, community involvement, uh, things of that nature. So in I didn't win the election in summer of 2021. So for the summer and fall of 2021, I started going to school at UWGB for social work. Then an opportunity opened up at my current job. I stayed there to kind of work my way up in the company. And it just kind of became apparent that like my plan was to leave this job, go to school for social work, start a new career when I get out. Now I'm not leaving this job. And because I'm not leaving this job, the structure of UWGB is just really not friendly to full-time workers. It's just kind of struggling to make a schedule work. So I decided to switch the plan. And now I'm a fresh more. The homeschool grade confusion plagues me to this day. <laughs> I'm at NWTC for business entrepreneurship and kind of it's my first semester there in this program, but I've transferred a bunch of credits over. And so I'm hoping to get through it a little bit quicker than that. So that's where I've been and where I'm at. Thanks, Drew. Um, we'll go for uh, about eight more minutes uh, here. So um, I guess as we as we begin to wrap up our time on the on this uh, the panel side of things, um, we'll say um, a question or two more here, and then we'll have people hang around for a while um, just for any personal conversations that people here may may want. So that just gives you an idea of how much longer we'll be here. This is the question. Um, I'd be interested to, to get your answer to, and I'd love to just go down the line with this one. And, and maybe I'm asking this question to be um, uh, an encouragement um, because uh, it's pretty evident that parents um, are, are a huge part of this. I mean, enormous, that's an understatement. But um, um, with that, if you were going to, uh, I guess, thank your parent, what would you say to them reflecting on your um, homeschool experience and, and what that gave you to this day. And I know you said your, your dad is here. So yeah, it is, he is. So pressure's on right there. Yeah. Uh, no, um, it's going to be hard for you to say this without getting emotional because, uh, my mom, I'll, I'll never forget the day she came home cause she was a veterinarian like my father. Um, and she practiced small animal. Uh, but this particular day, uh, she had quit her practice and she came home and obviously she was crying. She was really upset. Um, I am absolutely convinced to this day that those were tears mixed with joy as much as they were sorrow, knowing that she was closing one door, but opening up another. That decision, I would say, um, saved me, uh, not from a spiritual standpoint, uh, but just because I was in a lot of trouble, uh, emotionally as a kid, just going through school stuff, being bullied at school. Um, and so to get out of that situation and have my parents stand up and do something that was very, um, abnormal at the time for my sake was incredible. And so both, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Both my mom and dad taught me sacrificial love and what that's like. So, thanks. Matthew? I'm trying to collect my thoughts here. Those are great. That was, thank you for sharing that. As I think about my, my experience, 
I think one of the things that strikes me is that it is totally okay to be imperfect in this process. I think about, you know, I, I, or last, I don't know, say hour or so kind of shared some insider view is into kind of how maybe with some of the things that I would um, have wished could have gone better. But the reality is that a ton went really well. And that was honestly, the Lord worked despite my mom's, uh, my mom, um, I, I, admittedly, she, she wasn't, how do you put it this way? Um, she was not necessarily cut out for teaching. Let's put it that way. She had ADHD. She had, she did struggle with linear thinking. She didn't, she wasn't a very, she was not a very independent person. There was, a, there was, I think she had dyslexia as well. So that the, but yet the Lord, she did it and she committed. And I guess that's something, one of the things that was encouraging to me was, um, I mean, as an encouragement to everyone here, um, as well as us on the panel, that we don't have to be perfect. If we aren't perfect and the Lord meets us in our weaknesses. And I think that's one of the things that is just, uh, it's important to keep in mind because it's easy to kind of rest on our own efforts in anything, but especially as it relates to homeschooling, it is such a man. Oh man. It's such a, it's almost more of a spiritual experience than it is a kind of a functional teaching experience. I feel like because it is such an opportunity to raise um, kids to know the Lord and to love him, which is the ultimate lesson that they need to know in our, in our house. And so um, I would say that is one thing that my mom did extraordinarily well. My mom and my dad, I would say um, is just kind of these snapshots of, I still remember. Um, and I think this is probably one of the biggest things that I remember, um, you know, waking up in the morning and if it was a Saturday, otherwise it was just during the week and my dad was gone, but I woke up in the morning and seeing my dad in the rocking chair in his bedroom, reading the Bible, talking to the Lord. Um, and in the morning when I would wake up during the week, I would get up and I would go down the stairs and the, the sort of the, the doors to the den would be closed. And I knew why they were closed. It was because my mom was sitting there over her desk, talking to the Lord over the Bible and um, without fail. And it was those sort of like signals that I would have in my life that was sort of a um, marker to me in my life of what truly is important. And I saw that in my parents and it wasn't something, it's not something they said per se, it was something that I observed time and time again. And so that was just one of the things that I knew where their hope was. And um, I certainly benefited from that um, to an incredible degree. And we'll be grateful for them forever. So that's what I'd say. Yeah, you know, I would say that the thing that I'd like to thank both of my parents for, you know, reflecting on my homeschooling experience is interest-based learning, right? You know, we live in a society that loves to put people in boxes with labels, a society that encourages, you know, black and white thinking and standardization and, you know, a set order and a way of doing things. But, you know, we have to remember that every child, every human being is a unique individual with gifts, talents, skill sets, experiences, you know, thought processes that are unlike anybody's. Um, you know, across the face of the whatever it is, 7.5 billion people that are on this earth. Um, and my parents catered my education according to my interests. For me, that was history. That was entrepreneurship. That was finance. That was reading. Um, you know, and they really like kind of let me fly. They equipped me with the freedom 
uh, in the tools that I needed to be able to blossom and grow and really follow my passions and interests. Uh, and I really know beyond a shadow of a doubt, if it wasn't for that freedom and it wasn't for that equipment um, and just support and encouragement, because they didn't know really, they weren't subject matter experts with what I was interested in, but they were like my biggest cheerleaders and they opened doors for me and they allowed things to happen. So if it wasn't for that, like I wouldn't be where I am today, not only like career wise, but like emotionally, spiritually, uh, you know. So yeah, I would say like, really like interest-based learning is the big takeaway and the thing I'd like to thank both my parents for. Yeah, um, similarly, I would say one of the things that I would really like to thank my parents for is, again, like the interest-based learning, the support of my passions, my dreams. Um, you know, I started my first business at like seven years old. Um, so this entrepreneur thing has been something that I've been interested in for a long time. And my parents really equipped me and helped me and cheered me on in that um, I started doing craft fairs when I was like 10 years old. Um, and my mom, you know, drove me to that, helped me figure out how to manage finances as a business, how to budget out things, um, business expenses and how to make a profit and things like that. Um, and also just, you know, driving me to theater and music and all the many, many extracurricular creative activities that I did and really encouraging me to be an artist. Um, my mom would say like, it's going to be hard if you want to be a full-time artist, but I think you can do it. And, um, I think I'm in a spot where I am an artist, I am an entrepreneur, and a lot of that is because of my parents' support in my passions and my dreams. When I think about what I would say to my parents in regard to homeschooling, it's difficult to summarize briefly, but I think in short, I would say, thank you for being brave. Um, the decision to homeschool was a brave choice. It's family of public school educators, a lot of pressure to continue that path, um, financial pressure to, to move to a one income home, lots of different strong personalities to manage, not a lot of external support from extended family or, or even necessarily at that point, that's the strongest group of friends or um, extended family groups. But to make that brave choice to say, um, when we see the scriptures tell us, you know, train up your child in the way they should go, they take that very personally and, and take it as a you train up your child. And whether that is a choice that you make to do in your home or a public school or a private school, it really needs to be an active um, experience and it's not a drop-off event and if you plan on it being a drop-off event you're going to miss it and you're going to not only lose out on the benefit and the blessing of raising that child but you're going to lose out on that influence and so it was certainly a brave choice to decide to homeschool but I would thank them for that because I certainly benefited and when I look at my own family I don't feel like it's nearly as brave of a choice because I've seen it modeled but for them they hadn't and and so to make that step of faith was really something that has impacted me positively and I hope to pass on to generations to come. So in thinking about this question, this is like a, could be a, a novel probably. So I'm gonna keep it really short. 
uh, I watched my mom, especially because she was at home working from home with, with the daycare. I watched my mom kind of stand up for me from elementary school through high school. Uh, again, what she pulled me from public school, then put me into private school because that was the next best idea then. And, and it still didn't, it still wasn't what she wanted for me. And so then she, she moved me into homeschooling and to see that, uh, that solid ground and that foundation that she was looking for. And she, she stuck with that until she found what she wanted for her child uh, was very beneficial to me because that has translated in my life over and over again. Uh, but my mom also had, or my family, we had a, you know, she had unique things to overcome such as she worked from home. She couldn't leave. Um, you know, she, she had a special needs daycare in the home when I, you know, came home and into homeschool. But that didn't stop my mom from finding every opportunity for me and getting it me to it somehow. And I mean, I, I volunteered at the new zoo and handled animals for hours on end, you know, for multiple days a week. Or I, at 16 years old, I was somehow at the airport learning how to fly a plane. And uh, I don't. I don't know how all of those things necessarily happened, but my mom and my dad made sure that I had opportunities. And again, I wouldn't have had any of these types of opportunities or learning experiences if I had been in a school. And I feel very strongly about that. But uh, most of all, I'd thinking I would I thank my parents for the fact that I am a capable functioning adult in life now. It wasn't just academics and it wasn't just opportunities or experiences. It was literal life schooling. And I left my home being able to function as a as an adult because I grew up in a home that was heavy on using your sense. And this is how we do things. This is how we don't do things. It was just a constant education. And so that now translates to my children who are life schooled and who get, you know, many opportunities. And so my life would definitely not be anywhere near the same if I had grown up in a school system. And I don't want the life that I would have gotten in a school system, to, to be honest. I am so grateful that my homeschooling experience has shaped my life, my personality, and my abilities and skills, so. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Drew, anything to, to add to that before we uh, conclude here? Um, I think I would probably reiterate a lot of the same thoughts um, personally, I am so grateful for, yeah, the commitment and the sacrifice that my parents made. I'm the oldest of six kids. So homeschooling all of us, making sure we all got to all of the different things that we wanted to do, that we all had opportunities to try things, to grow, uh, that we all had support and encouragement and the things that we wanted to do, um, 
that we were able to shape our schooling around our interests. Like I wrote novels in high school because I thought it was fun. And so being able to lighten up on some of my other assignments and focus more on that, uh, focus more on music, on athletics. Um, yeah, just the the broad spectrum of just everything that had to go into making that happen for our family. But I think more importantly, I'm grateful for the model that they created for me of what a healthy, thriving, functioning, God-loving family looks like. Um, I grew up in a home where I would go downstairs in the mornings and my dad would be reading his Bible in his office every single morning. And then he would come and tell us at breakfast what God was teaching him that day and just share that with us and communicate it to us in a way that we could understand. Um, I really grew to appreciate that later in high school when I would have friends who would come over and then after they would go home, they would text me like, Man, it was really weird to me that your family laughed around the dinner table. Like, I've just never experienced that. And to me, that was like a really big wake up call, A, to how difficult life really can be, because that's not something I really saw a lot of growing up homeschooled. But B, just how blessed and fortunate I am to have parents that were so intentional about creating that type of an environment. To have like friends and a church and a community around me that were also really intentional about creating that kind of environment for their families and for my friends. So that's probably what I'm most grateful for. Thanks, Drew. Uh, the last thing I'll say to that question, I guess I, I asked it, is uh, I said this at um, my homeschool graduation to my parents, which is really cool. Um, I don't know if they still do that. Maybe after I was done, they're like, too many people say too many things. So no, maybe I don't know if they still do that. But I had an opportunity to say something and uh, like 30 seconds. Um, and I just summed it up. I just thank my parents for my dad is here um, for for through all of the ways that was already that were already described to so teaching me the truth. Because at the end of the day, um, that is what's going to, that's what's, you're, you're here to teach the truth for eternity, not just for this lifetime. So I'm, I'm so thankful for my parents and all the ways that were described that they did that. Uh, with that, I want to thank you all for being here tonight. Um, I want to thank New Hope Church for, for hosting, uh, being the host of this event this evening, and the Homeschool Loft for, for uh, putting this event on. Uh, and hopefully those who are listening, assuming it worked out all right as well, um, and uh, use the homeschool loft as a continued resource. Um, I know we talked a lot about some high level things tonight, but I think for some of those specific things, okay, you say it's all about the long game, but what am I going to do for curriculum this semester? I know uh, the, the folks at the homeschool loft would love to help you with some of those specific questions. So use them as a resource. I'm going to close our time in prayer. I probably should have opened it in prayer, but I'll close it in prayer. Um, and then, uh, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. Lord, we thank you for this night and the opportunity to just hear uh, from what you are doing in the lives, uh, have done in the lives of uh, everyone that's up here and what you're doing in the lives of everyone that is listening um, and have the ability to listen uh, today. Uh, we just pray that you'd be with us in the rest of our uh, endeavors and uh, just that you would be guiding our paths um, as we um, uh, teach uh, our kids and uh, just seek wisdom from you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much. Have a great night. And the panelists will be hanging around for a little while. Thanks.